Hey y'all, hey, what's up? It's your girl Jermaine Jackson. Welcome back to the Blondness with Podcast. If I sound different, it is because I am different. I'm a new creature in Christ. But I also am different because your girl has a new microphone. And I'm also listening to myself for the first time because I have headphones in. Um, and I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about why both of those things are important. But first, if this is your first time here, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We love new members in the Misfit Gang. And if this is not your first time, welcome back. I hope you guys are having a great one. I hope you guys are, are staying blessed and highly favored. I hope you guys are putting cast oil around your edges, child. Because trust me, people have certainly tried mine over the last week or so. But nonetheless, I need you guys to do me two things. I need you guys to subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already. And I also need y'all to leave me that five-star review and rating in Apple Podcasts. Some of y'all really do be doing the the five-star review. And I love y'all for that. I'm so thankful. But let's leave some ratings. I mean, some reviews now. Let's let's say what we like about the podcast. Let's say something. Is it my award-winning personality? Is it the context? Is it the tea that I drop? Like, let us just know. Because both of those things are actually used when um, Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast places are actually sending out recommendations of other podcasts to listen to, um, to other people who listen to podcasts. And so I really, really would love for you guys to leave your feedback. It means so much to me. Um, It means so much to me, first of all, that y'all would just be tuning in week after week and y'all be loving the content. But... Uh, yeah, if you could just do those two things for me, those are the only two favors I would have asked you. I'm, I'm not going to even say that because I'm, I'm lying. I'm, I'm going to ask y'all for more stuff, but that's it for, for today. <laughs> but, um, let's get into the mic and, and, and the headphones. So essentially, um, you guys know from the very beginning, I've always said that when the time came, I wanted to upgrade my audio equipment. Um, the podcast is, as I've said before, it is the most, uh, raw, an authentic version of everything that I uh, everything that I create. It's not curated. It's not you know cleaned up for for everybody else. It's not any of that stuff. It's just me cutting on a recorder and talking to y'all and getting a guest on there and, and calling it a day. But I've always really cared about the audio sound. I mean, first of all, as a podcaster, but then also as a musician. Um, I'm really, really privy to the way things sound and good audio is very important to me. And so I always knew that the time was going to come when I wanted to upgrade my sound setup situation. So I've been looking at different microphones and, you know, I've tried, I tried them all. I've tried a lavalier. I've tried, uh, those additions that you just add onto your phone. I've tried like the boom mics, you know, the little ones that you can, that you can kind of like plug up to your, to your laptop. And I've recently found a couple of them that I'm really, really digging. And I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try it. So to this microphone that I'm using now actually is a microphone that I've seen other podcasters use. Um, it'll be down in the description box so you can actually see what the uh, microphone actually is. And it sets up, sets, sets up. It, what, what is the word, child? Um, it's attached to my laptop. So it really makes things like uh, once I record, just doing an upload and stuff, very seamless. I really love it. But I've also been incorporating headphones. Um, I recently came back from NABJ and NAHJ. Y'all gonna be like, Jimmy, how you come back from something? You ain't go. 
Um, yes, I did. I went to my living room and I watched all the panels. <laughs> um, but there was a really, really amazing panel on how to turn a, on how to create a career in podcasting. And even though I was really happy that I came to the table with something, i.e. an already established podcast or something that already has a couple of episodes and stuff in the works, I know that there's so much more that I can learn and I, that I can take away from, um, you know, a panel or learning about podcasting so that I can monetize it so that I can just create the best product, um, out there. And so one of the things that the, that the moderator said is that having a headset is so necessary because you don't know what you sound like in, in your microphone and your microphone is picking up all these things that you are not necessarily hearing. So I recently got, um, actually had a set of headphones because I've done video editing in the past and I've been using it and they are so right guys. If you are starting a podcast, unless you have someone like a sound engineer who is, who is helping you and, uh, listening in, in real time, invest in a set of headphones. You can even use just your Apple, your Apple, um, AirPods or your, um, you know, your regular headphones and stuff, just so that you can hear yourself in the microphone and be able to hear what else your microphone is picking up. Like I'm hearing, uh, my puppies walking around the apartment cause they, they just want to be bad and they don't want to stay still. I'm hearing the cars outside and everybody who thinks that they're, um, a speed racer is in there and they, uh, igniting their ignition. Um, dang, I, I really loved that, loved that song, but, um, cancel R. Kelly. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm hearing the kids playing. I'm hearing a lot of things that my microphone obviously would pick up and you guys may not hear it, but it's really good for you to be able to hear those things. Because if for instance, you are someone who has a podcast that requires more editing, or you actually want to isolate certain sounds and stuff like that, you have to know what your microphone is picking up. So I will also link, um, in the description box. If not, I will have it on the blondemisfit.com very soon some recommendations of headphones and microphones that you guys can pick up if you are also interested in podcasting. So yeah, um, I've rambled for um, almost seven minutes now, but I just wanted to let you guys know about those two things. Let me know if you like the new sound. Let me know if, if, you're, digging the, if you're digging the vibes. Um, so yeah. So today's episode actually is super, super simple. Um, I wanted to talk about what we need to see um what we need to see in the industry if we are uh going to really really say that we are seeing change um I know I said that that took forever and a day for me to try to get the words out but I have recently been thinking about what are the things that people need to do or what are the things that the fashion industry needs to do in order to really stand by these things of uh, inclusivity and mindedness around you know sustainability and diversity and inclusion and all these things that we're seeing nowadays that we're talking about. And I really want to have this be an open dialogue with you all. You know, I have a couple of guests that are coming up on the podcast really soon who talk about these things as well. But for me, I think the first thing and the thing that is the most important is that uh, we see a changing of the guards. 
a changing of the guards. I, I like to repeat myself just because, um, <laughs> look, I'm Southern Baptist. All right. So I had preachers that said, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, they would preach for heck, like 30 minutes and then say, okay, now I got three points to, to tell you, and then we're going to go home. And you knew good and well, them three points was going to be another 30 minutes or so. But so I like to repeat my, um, my headlines. Okay. So the first point is that we have to have a changing of the guards. So what do I mean by that? Um, the Kelly initiative, which came out, I think in May or June of this year was a group of, I think around 250 black creatives from around the fashion industry who pretty much held up a mirror to the CFDA. They was like, yo, you say that you stand for inclusivity and this and that for fashion designers of America, but baby, you don't have the range. And I know that's not what they said, but like if I was there and I was the interpreter, that would have, that's, that is what I would have said. I've been like, you ashy, okay? You don't got no range. You ain't put no lotion on today. You, 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 you losing baby girl. Um, but it's true. The CFDA, the Council of Fashion Designers of America, is the largest organization for fashion designers in America. They are the people who help curate New York Fashion Week. They are the people who, uh, when you see major fashion collaborations, many of those designers are coming out of the CFDA or have a membership. The CFDA partners every year with Vogue for the Vogue and CFDA Fashion Fund. They've also worked together on the on a common thread, which is their initiative helping brands that have been uh, disenfranchised by COVID. So the CFDA is is a, is a real thing, you know. Like she's not just somebody just out here in the streets. Like she is she is supposed to be that girl, but she has not been that girl. Um, I believe that even up until recently, only four percent of the makeup of CFDA uh, designers were brands of color and specifically black designers. It's a problem to me that in 2020, I can still name to you some of the major black designers that show at New York Fashion Week. But when we start talking about other brands and other fashion houses, you know, you can ramble name after name after name after name. So back in June, the Kelly Initiative, which was uh, named after Patrick Kelly, if you don't know who he is and you say you want to work in fashion, baby girl, get yourself together. Baby boy, do your research. Um, Patrick Kelly was an amazing, amazing designer and just prolific creator, um, create, creator and creative. Um, but he, the initiative pretty much just told the CFDA, like, yo, we're not doing this no more. Like, this is really the time that, that y'all need to get yourselves together. Of course, the Kelly Initiative isn't the only thing. You know, we've seen other things happening in fashion right now, like the Black and Fashion Council, uh, all these directories and websites and Black and corporate and all these things that are popping up that are being spearheaded by other Black creatives in the space, but are actually starting the bigger conversations around, okay, why is it that we still don't see ourselves reflected in fashion? Why are we still not holding leadership in senior leadership positions? Why are we still um, not being paid fairly and equally as our white counterparts? All these different things. So I brought up the Kelly Initiative specifically because last week, Cassandra Diggs was named the new president of the CFDA. Um, previously, right before, it had been Tom Ford and uh, Cassandra was named as acting president last week Cassandra Diggs is a black woman and a lot of people were slightly shook you know the wig might have shifted a little bit you might have lost 
half an eyelash. Um, I do felt I do feel like the CFDA um, decision was reactionary and not uh, in response and, and not necessarily a first push to be the voice of reason, but rather the voice of reaction. But at the same time, I'm excited. I'm excited to see a new uh, era at the CFDA. I'm excited to see how a black woman will hopefully be able to open up the doors for other black and BIPOC designers to be able to not just show at New York Fashion Week, but to really grow and and like hone their gifts and their craft. Um, the reality is there's a difference between diversity and inclusion and equity. And equity is not brought up as much as diversity and inclusion. We love to toss DNI around, right? Diversity is making sure that you have a plethora of people in the room. Inclusion is making sure that everyone is involved. But equity is saying, okay, but I also know that because of other outside resources, this person may not have the same opportunities as this other person. Therefore, how can I fill in the gap so that everyone can be on the same playing field for success? Hopefully with her appointment in the CFDA, this will allow for not only black designers to be able to get in the room and have those opportunities, but we'll finally be able to start addressing the bigger conversation around the lack of resources that exist for designers of color and minority, like minority designers, designers of color, marginalized, communities, um, whatever you want, however you want to say it, frame it, phrase it. Um, I am excited for the new era and I hope that we do, we do justice by it. I have talked about this previously on, on, on another episode of the podcast before about sometimes my feelings of, uh, discomfort, wondering if, just because we're getting people in in places of power now if that is really going to elicit change no And I do believe that sometimes it becomes a thing of, oh, we have a black person in here now. So now we are doing what we need to do. Now we've actually stepped up to the plate and everything is all good. And to me, almost having the same voices at the table consistently is just as bad as having uh, no voices at the table whatsoever. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into that too much more because uh, I talked about this in an entire episode around the need for diversity of black voices, that just having a black voice in the room is not enough. But um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, I am hopeful that this moment will allow for more of us to have opportunities to speak up. And even if we have... Uh, dissenting views on how things should happen or what or what things should be done that those voices will also be honored and allowed in these spaces and so i wanted to give that shout out to the cfda and to cassandra more importantly um for her new appointment but also because it goes into this bigger context of 
uh, activism and where we stand now and the things that I think we need to do in order for the fashion industry to progress. So a changing of the guards means multiple things. I'm not saying that every place should just fire all their white people. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that companies and brands do need to look at um, what is going on currently within their own corporate structure and what have they allowed to slide under the table thus far that truly has omitted people from having a seat at the table. Now, the thing about awareness though, self-awareness especially, is that it hurts. Sometimes I have to check myself and I'm like, Jay, I don't know why you did X, Y, and Z. And then I have to think, I'm like, well, no, you know why you did X, Y, and Z because X, Y, and Z. Though when they said that the truth will set you free, they were true. It was that was true, but the, the truth also hurts. The truth can also be painful. The truth can also be very uncomfortable. It can feel like a girdle that you know, child, you, you got maybe one size too small. Or them shoes that you bought on sale and you knew your foot was not about to get up in them shoes, but you was like, these shoes are way too cute. I have to take them and maybe I'll lose the weight and maybe my foot will be smaller. No, just me? Okay, cool, 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 cool. So there's a changing of the guards that has to happen and I am very much so a person who believes that offering space for new and innovative voices is always the way. There's always a way that you can incorporate the new with the old, and I. but I do believe that it is the lack of those innovative voices that has resulted in fashion just becoming so mundane and monotonous at this point. Think about it. Even before COVID-19, Everybody was talking about how fashion just wasn't doing it for you anymore. You had one or two designers that would show that would really like solicit a response. But other than that, from conception to ideation, to the actual manufacturing of the clothes, to the casting of the models, to the venue, to the fashion show, to even who was invited, it was just like bled across the board. And I remember as clear as day that back in February, Emron uh, Ahmed, who is the uh, founder and editor-in-chief of Business of Fashion, I believe had been talking to Tim Blanks on the Business of Fashion podcast. And I believe that they were talking about Fashion Month and how collectively everybody just felt like it was just so dry. To the point that, again, it was the question of, should we still be having a fashion week? Is is there something still to be said about us having a fashion calendar and a fashion schedule? And then COVID happened and 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 more and even more so, we realized and we saw ourselves that there is so little to offer people when you can't get outside, but also when there's no innovation. I believe that brands that are really creative and who really have their ear to the streets, I believe a lot of them were able to pivot. They had a strong digital strategy, a strong social media strategy. They were already pivoting to an e-commerce business model before COVID. They were pulling out of fashion week because they were like, why am I going to spend uh, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on a show? when I could be investing that in something else and, 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 and make it more popping and, and, and fluid. 
And I feel like those are the brands now that many of us are looking at. And especially for non-fashion insider people, they're like, oh my God, this brand is so cool. This brand is so dope. And now they want to support this brand. For those of us who are in the circle, we were all, we were already seeing the transition happening. Brands that were getting left behind because they always want to cast white models or brands that always produce the same silhouette or brands that seemingly always kind of pick off of other brands. Um, no shade to anyone, Virgil, but uh, brands that kind of lack their own innovation and they just kind of return the wheel. Now, don't get me wrong. If it's not broke, you should not fix it. But at the same time, just because it's not broke doesn't mean that you don't get tired. I can, I love pasta, but am I going to eat pasta every day? No, most days, but not every day. You need something new to keep you excited to go, to move, to, to flourish. And fashion was just getting to a point where it just wasn't that anymore. Now, even people like me who focus primarily on how clothing and uh, beauty products and stuff, how they offer a larger conversation around like gender and race and uh, sexuality and politics. Even we still have to know what's going on as far as like the clothing and merchandising and supply chain. My master's is all about that. My master's has nothing to do with fashion design. I do not know how to sketch. I don't know how to color. I don't know nothing about nothing about nothing about that. But what I do know is how businesses are created from a fashion idea, I know how to create and, and develop strong business plans and business models for commercial success for a business. I know how to read a supply, um, to, to analyze like the supply chain management and figure out about audience development and how do you keep your consumers involved and active in the process. Yes, your girl is smart and intelligent and kind and all them good things, all right? But I say that because I still have to, know what designers are putting out what clothing, what the collection is, what the vibe is. I still write show reviews. The Blonde Misfits still does show reviews for the shows because I personally believe in, in democratizing fashion and showing people who can't be there that they can still see the clothing, they can still see the wares, they can still see the inspiration behind a brand. But even I get tired. I'm like, bruh, really? This is this is what this is this is what you you put all these people in this room in, in this room to show. And it's not like the clothing sucks. That's not it. It's that we had gotten to a point as a society where things like fast fashion and a lack of sustainability and a lack of real purpose, I think to some degree, was driving a lot of our business decisions. It is easier to just support and to grow, um, you know, brands that are, I don't know, able to just churn out something super quick and 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 um, conveniently, than to sit down and really say, okay, but what is the message that I want to put out into the world, and why does that matter? And I believe that a changing of the guards is what we have to see, not just in fashion, like as far as designers. But we also have to see it in PR. We need to see it in marketing. We need to see it in editorial. There are a lot of places. Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking, I'm blanking. Um, but Samira, uh, Samira uh, Nazer, she just was named the editor-in-chief, I believe, of Harper's Bazaar. Well, 
when she was named a couple of months ago, everybody was tripping because they was like, oh, she's the first um, black woman to do X, Y, and Z, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just thinking to myself, so we're still celebrating firsts around here in 2020. I would say 2020, the year of our Lord, but yeah, I mean, 2020, she's been wild and she's, she's unstable. So I'm just going to leave her over in the corner let her do her thing. But the fact that we're still celebrating firsts or that something has to be that, uh, like profound for us to be able to say, oh my gosh, like now I feel inspired. Now I, this, now I, that, like, no, by 2020, there needs to be editor in chiefs of all nationalities, of all ethnicities, of all racial backgrounds and genetic makeups, of all ability levels, of all socioeconomic levels, of all walks of life. But that's not the reality. We can look and now we can look now and we continue to see the same after same after same white women, white men, white women, white men, and then a couple of, you know, outliers here and there who are helming the these media brands and who are trying to introduce a new level of, uh, I don't know, editorial goodness or guidance or whatever into the world. I'm not saying, again, just for all the white people, but what I am saying is that the fashion industry across the board, from marketing to advertising to sales to design to PR to editorial to photography to whatever, it is not reflective of the world that we actually live in. And so until we actually get an opportunity to really see ourselves reflected, not just in front of the scenes, because talent is, a, is, a, is an entirely different thing. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But not even looking at talent in the front facing roles, but even behind the scenes, what is being done that, uh, that ensures that someone on your team, if not you, have at least the basics of empathy and compassion and understanding to be able to report on and to be able to sell to a wide variety of people. These brands now that only cater to and only want to sell to white people, I mean, it shows in their pockets. Like, you only want to create a, a beauty product with for only a certain type of hair. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Thankfully, though, Black people have been able to utilize both white products and black products for their hair. Let me tell y'all something. Pantene, no, Tresemme. Child, you know, oh yeah, it was Tresemme. Tresemme has a leave-in conditioner. Dumb cheap. I think I, it's like four or five dollars at like on Walmart, but it's huge. I love that conditioner for my locks. And I know a lot of people with locks are like, don't do leave-in conditioner because you know it's fancy. But sometimes my locks are a little dehydrated and they need some moisturization. But I'll do that and I'll mix it with some castor oil or something like that and, you know, give myself a hair mask. I'll mix it with some of the Black-owned brands that I use. Like, I, at this point now, I don't use products in my hair. So, um, I'm limited in the, in the product selections that I can give to you guys. But what I'm saying is we have had to learn how to use both sides in order to get the job done. And so, these places out here that only want to cater to one demographic or one type of hair or one type of skin or one type of body type or one type of this, uh, whatever are having to pay for that, rec are having to pay for that. And now we're having a reckoning, a reawakening in the industry where people are now having to confront their biases and their selectiveness. So, the changing of the guards is the first thing. 
Secondly is accountability. And I've talked about this, I believe, probably on every <laughs> on every episode, all the time, doing everything, right? Because I really, really believe in the level of accountability that we hold and that we have ourselves, but also the level of accountability that we have to hold to others. It is easy um, to try to cancel a brand on Instagram or on Twitter. Every single day I go on Twitter, somebody else is being canceled. Yesterday it was Lizzo, day before it was Cardi, day before that was Meg, day before that is somebody else. Like all these people can just get canceled, quote unquote, not really getting canceled. But the reason why is because it's easier to talk than to actually uh, move. It's easier to say something than to just pull up and really be about that life. I mean, we see it every single day in the streets, honey. Everybody always saying that they got that work. And then all of a sudden, uh, you, you you pull up on them and then ain't nobody got nothing to say. I personally have run into that multiple times this week. I've been having to gather quite a few non-melanated people who think that I'm not about that life simply because I'm over on Slack. And I'm just like, all right, cool. So I'm gonna put time on your calendar so we can see what's up. Well, meetings getting canceled and people evading the problem. And then it's coming around back to me, back to me, back to me. So-and-so said this, this is that. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I don't care about talking. I care about action. So when you're ready to get live, let me know. And we can talk it out. It's easier to talk. Everybody can talk. Everybody can say something. Everybody can say their opinion. Everybody can run off at the mouth. But not everybody is going to actually pick themselves up and actually do something about it. And... That is unfortunately the reality also when it comes to activism and when it comes to holding brands accountable. I'm the first person to ask, okay, so when you say that like you want to support Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, like what what are you doing with your funds? What are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your resources? For me, I'm not really tired of seeing small Black-owned fashion and beauty brands continuously getting passed over for these PPE loans that they said was supposed to be for us and supposed to help us. Let y'all know now, if you are a, a, a small business trying to apply for those loans, many of them have the caveat that you have to have at least one other full-time employee on your staff in order to qualify. Well, if you don't have the funds to pay for another full-time staff member, or if that person has now left because of COVID, it doesn't take into account if you have freelancers. It doesn't take into account how much money you may personally lose, personally lose if you are working on something yourself. It doesn't take into account any of that. It just says, okay, you have to have another person. Well, like 90 to 95% of us are all doing this all on our own. And if not, we're hiring other freelancers. And so that is how the system continues to disenfranchise black and brown businesses. And so when I saw that myself, that's why I started the Misfit Fund. By the way, I know I've been, I, I owe y'all an explanation. I'm just haven't been pushing it as much as I should just because like, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to, um, sell something that I, I've created. If it's something that somebody else has done, I'll talk all day, all, all up and down the street about it all day long. But then when it's me, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's cool. It's whatever. But the Misfit Fund was started, um, as an extension of the Blonde Misfit brand. Because the Blonde Misfit has always sought to make sure that black and brown people felt included. And that we were always going to make sure that we are represented or that we have access to the resources or whatever. 
And so when I had the opportunity to then start the Misfit Fund and put money back into our own community, I was like, why not? You talking all this, but talk is cheap. Talk, talk don't pay bills. So let's do something about it. So the Misfit Fund actually is crowdsourced. You all can donate. Um, I have the jamaejackson.com link down in the description if you want to check it out, read more up on it, and then donate. But we pretty much um, are raising funds and giving out grants to black owned, black and Latinx owned, I'm sorry, black and Latinx owned fashion and beauty brands that have been hit by COVID or just because of the fact that like we just don't get the resources that we should in order to prosper. And the thing is like, I don't talk about it in a way that it's like, oh, let me pat myself on the back. I did that. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I didn't do anything. All I did was just pull up and do what I said I was going to do. And a lot of people I think find that commendable because a lot of people can't hold their word. A lot of people don't have a word to stand on. They don't have integrity. And so for me, other than the changing of the guards, Holding, having a level of accountability is what we have to see in order to have a change in the fashion and beauty industry. Are you holding yourself accountable? Are you really checking yourself and your, and your pride sometimes at the door and saying, am I doing everything that I am supposed to do in order to really help solicit these changes that I say I want to see? And then are you holding your friends and family accountable? Oh, well, when your family starts trying to all lives matter, the, the conversation, are you really saying, are you really um, sticking up and standing up for somebody? Are you advocating for people even when they're not in the room? Are you really um, holding these brands that you say you love so much accountable for the things that they do and they say? Or are you one minute you hot, next minute you cold, next minute you hot, next minute you cold, going through that menopause? Like, what what are you? What's up? And don't get me wrong. If that's the type of person that you want to move, if that's how you want to move, okay, cool. The Bible says um, man cannot serve two masters. Either you in or you out. You can't be lukewarm. And the reality is within today's time with everything that's going on right now, you have to you have to pick a side. Because even in your silence, you are still choosing the side of, of the oppressor. And... People have to understand that holding yourself to a level of accountability is so many things. It's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's physical, but it's also financial. Put your money where your mouth is. The Bible says where, you know, uh, what a man thinks, so is he. But the Bible also says where a man puts, sows his seed or where he puts his money, that's where his heart is. We know what matters to you based upon what you spend your money on. Look. Y'all always going to see, I'm always going to pay for some something. I'm always going to pay to get my hair done. I'm always going to pay to get my nails done. I'm always going to make sure that I got food in the house. Or if I'm not, I'm going to uh, buy me a little bit of brunch or something. I'm going to make sure that my Netflix and my Hulu and my uh, Amazon Prime memberships are all paid for every month because I don't have cable. And so I want to make sure that I'm able to watch the things that I want to watch. Those things are important to me. Is paying, is, is, is going to the gym important? No, I don't have a gym membership. Because I'm not about to give y'all my money. Because I know I'm not going to go. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you, I'm not saying that you always have to have a, mon- a monetary uh, investment behind everything that you care about. For instance, friendship. I don't think we got to put money all in, um, you know, in order to be able to show someone that you really care about them. Especially if that's not their love language or your love language. 
you know, there are other ways that you can show. But even in that, there's a there's still an investment of some of some sort that shows your dedication to that person. But I do believe that when we really want to start seeing how businesses and brands and things that run off of money, America, the world runs on money and those resources and a business model that is spent around money, give, take, uh, I was going to, I was trying to use some business words, but I, I, I lost, uh, costs and revenue. I don't think that was, <laughs> I don't think that was, um, the right things, but, um, you know what I'm saying? In order to be able to, to fix those systems, you have to hit them where it hurts. And that's usually the financial pocket. So what are you doing in order to hold those brands accountable? What are you doing to step up and to really say, all right, cool. This is what my demands are. This is what my community demands are. What are you guys doing? And until you guys do that, we're going to take our money elsewhere. And we're just not going to give you our money, period. We're going to cancel you. It's okay to really cancel people. I just want y'all to know. Like, some people really get canceled. Like, Chrisette Michelle, she really got canceled. Y'all y'all were fed up with sis um, that one time, and y'all never gave her a chance to bounce back. And it's sad because she's gifted and talented and, sh- and shorty can sing. But that's what a real cancel is. But you also can not cancel people. Ever thought about that? You also could really kind of uh, say, okay, maybe so-and-so didn't know better. Now that we've held this to um, held this up to them, what are they going to do now to rectify the situation and ensure it never happens again? And then also help the people who their previous ignorance affected. We all make mistakes. I'm not saying you gotta go out here canceling people. I'm not saying that you... Uh, never can eat Goya ever again or that all these brands that you thought were black owned and then you later on found out that they sold to somebody else. Like, get, like child, Lisa Price still sits on, on the executive board. Leave that woman and her brand alone. Sis is out here getting money and, and half of y'all can't afford lotion. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, it just is so frustrating sometimes. But um, you don't have to cancel a brand just because they don't give you 100% everything that you're looking for. Nobody, no, nobody in this world, no brand, no whatever is ever going to be able to fully 100% give you everything. But if they're trying to do something that is helpful, if they're able to learn and rectify their mistakes, and if they're able to grow in this moment and still figure out, okay, you know what? We see now why we uh, were wrong before, but here's what we're going to do to make it right. Those are the brands that you also should financially invest in that you should support still hold them accountable still put that heat on them but still you know allow people to to gracefully make mistakes and to grow so that we can be better because at the end of the day if we just cancel everybody out here with mistakes we ain't gonna eat nothing we ain't gonna have nothing and nobody is gonna be able to do anything because we all have fallen short of the glory of god so my three points changing of the guard first and foremost we need to see more representation in leadership positions and senior leadership. We need to see more opportunities being extended to people. And we need to see a change of thought around innovation and how uh, creatives are allowed to create and who has access to um, those resources in order to do so. We need to have accountability, both personal accountability about what we are doing for our, ourselves and our community but also accountability for those around us and the brands and the businesses that we say we love and that we uh, want to see do better. And then lastly, that we are able to sow our financial seed into the things that we want to see. 
whether that's you starting your own brand, whether that's you starting your own Misfit Fund, whether that's you uh, just investing in things that already already currently exist. And it's with demographics and people who you just love and you really want to see grow and prosper. Like, what are you willing to financially give? Because one thing I will, I will say is that God has never blessed me when I have had a selfish heart. God loves a cheerful giver. And a cheerful giver, that's biblical too, just in case if you, if you ain't know. Um, cheerful giver means that you give it like non-begrudgingly. That you give it so freely because you're just happy. You're happy to give it. And I believe that when you are that type of person, not just in a financial way, but all together, like in life, when you just freely give to others, God can freely give to you because he knows that you you will continuously give and you will continuously bless other people by being a blessing yourself. So those are my three things. The three ways that I think the fashion industry can, first of all, start starting on up. You know, I, I truly do believe that we are having a renaissance moment right now we're seeing things that we've never seen before and we don't know within the next three or six months even a year a couple years from now what this moment will mean to any of these industries what industries will still exist what industries will be consolidated what industries will just not no longer uh, serve the people but I do believe that there is a way for us to change and I do believe that there is a moment coming when we will finally be able to see the fruits of our labor. So if you are out there and if you are doing dope stuff and if you are creating dope stuff and if you are trying to inspire other people to do dope stuff, uh, just keep going. I know that it's hard. I know that it's difficult. I know it gets stressful. I know your edges will be going stressed out. I know your eyelashes be stressed out. I know your skin be breaking out. Child, mine does too. But I just want you to know that I am rooting for you. I love y'all. I'm so happy every single time y'all do some amazing stuff and y'all tag me in it or whatever. Continue to do that. I'm at The Blonde Misfit on Instagram and on Twitter. The website is obviously theblondemisfit.com. You can also check out The Misfit Fund on jamaejackson.com. I'm going to be doing more YouTube stuff soon. I'm prepping for an apartment move right now. So um, probably the beginning of September is really when when you're going to start to see kind of like the the things that I've been working on on the back end that I've been holding off y'all. But uh, yeah, you can search The Blonde Misfit on in your YouTube search bar and that should pull up too. But uh, yeah, stay the course. Stay, stay yourself, stay the course, stay open and uh, just stay. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I can tell y'all to stay. Um, but, I'm, but yeah, I mean, seriously, that's all you can do. Just take it day by day. Anywho, y'all, I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. Y'all like stay safe, stay blessed, stay black if you black. And I will see you all next week.